everybody. Welcome back to Pack Your Mics. Uh, the music didn't play on my end. That's weird. Um, the Top <laughs> Chef program from the creators of Read It and Weep. Today we're talking about Season 19, Top Chef Houston, Episode 6, titled A Bunch of Cool Ladies and Tom. Um, actually, it's called Texas Trailblaze Hers, which is um, the name almost dishonors everybody involved, I think. But um, yeah, that's bad. It's, it's, bad. Not, it's, it's a season not of puns. I mean, it the, is, it, which I'm I'm for, but the, uh, some of them are good. You know, some of them are going to be a miss. And this one's a bad miss. I did like every ni- one of nine times they said, oh, yeah. yeah and Tom. So that's yeah. that's what we're going to call uh, call it, I think, in my head. I'm Alex. I'm in Hollywood, California, along with Megan. Hey, buddy. Hollywood. And we're joined um, from Brooklyn, New York by Chris. Hey, hey. Um, you don't have a Brooklyn song? No, uh, Brooklyn, Brooklyn. <laughs> I don't know. What, what, what do you say? <laughs> I you know? Someone else had already written, but sure, you could <laughs> improvise a Brooklyn song. <laughs> also joining us from lovely Burbank, California, it's new Sarah and Kyle, represented uh, right now by Kyle. Yes, uh, new Sarah is taking uh, extremely new grace upstairs to see what what her problem is. Amazing. Is there a song about Burbank? I mean, I don't know the theme song to the Tonight Show, like the Johnny Carson Tonight Show. Oh, yeah. But I feel Mm -hmm. like that's the closest thing Burbank has to a theme song. Is the theme just like, here's Burbank? (laughs) It's it's just like Like, some Chris, you're two for two inventing songs for cities. I don't know. Um, Let's see um songs about los angeles burbank maybe (laughs) maybe there's burbank's official song the official city song um written by a high school student okay anyway back to work as as and sarah are still on um a well-deserved vacation but they'll be back with us again next week um we have such an exciting episode today so much was going on here um but but first there's a momentous momentous uh product placement at a moment for us i think this is a new tradition this is this is <laughs> like, there's this always going to be a talent kind of like, talenti. this is restaurant wars light it's talenti gelato <laughs> wars <laughs> um is there something because it's one of the few things spawn con wise that we actually support i mean not that we're like against bmws per se but like I, I feel like, like BMWs. I, I feel I've said this on the show before. Like, oh. I think every time there's someone being rude on the road, they're driving a BMW. Oh yeah, we've noticed this. So, as we well. have also yeah. If 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 you almost get hit by a car crossing the street nine it's times out of ten, it's a BMW. That is yeah. that is abs- that's science. So, um, yeah, I, I'm I'm willing to go on the record and say I am against BMW. Okay, yeah. So we're against BMWs. We don't we don't love a B, uh, we we're not we're not into Bavarian Motorworks. But um, is there anything else that's been on the show that we have bought because of it? Because we definitely bought one of those last year. It was like Talenti Delato. We put everything in it, and yeah. we bought one of those. Yep. Uh, how about you know they had a really good SpawnCon last season with uh, a product I heartily endorse, which is better than Bullion. Oh yeah. Uh, Oh yeah, yeah, we're big BTB fans for sure. And I think you were previously B. Yeah, we BTB were. So fans. it wasn't it wasn't trying for the first time, right? We were um, also fans of. I, I think I not. We, I had tried Talenti Gelato. I don't want to go too far into this. This sounds gross. Um, but I had tried Talenti Gelato before. But BTB, we are like evangelists about. Well, yes. You know what? Uh, more so than Talenti, uh, we've gotten into Nancy's fancy gelato. Uh, oh, fancy Nancy, Nancy makes gelato. From, like, Three seasons. That was from the California All Stars season. Where, Ooh. yeah, it's okay. Nancy Silverton's July. Oh, okay. So this isn't oh. something. Oh, this I could get it on Gold Belly if I pay a lot of money for it. Or you, uh, can, we no, could you get can get it, it from Whole Foods. 
Uh, we see it in Whole Foods. Maybe it's a West Coast thing, but yeah, maybe, uh, uh, yeah they I have a butterscotch with rosemary, like laced caramel, and ooh. Ooh, ooh. It, you can taste that rosemary. It is flavorful. Interesting. So to uh, be clear, though, this is not related to Fancy Nancy, the Disney Channel original show, three correct. seasons in that my niece really likes. Yes, this has okay. nothing to do with fancy. Nothing to do with that. This is a diff- This is the words are in different order. Okay, this is Nancy's fancy. As Nancy's this is fancy. What Nancy would like. Um. Okay. Interesting. Well. Um. Is there something? So. Okay. Besides the gelato, is there something else we'd like to see sponsor this? Do we want? What's a? Is there a food item we would like to see worked into an, a challenge somewhere? I mean, if there's a brand that I'm like willing to cape for, Brooklyn Deli has like lots of really cool sauces and like achars and kind of tikka. It's it's like all like Brooklyn D E H L I. So instead oh. of it, it's oh, okay. all uh, Indian. I think Chris, Delhi. you Is it know, weird that I haven't heard of it. <laughs> Here they just call it Deli. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think you know the theme song to Brooklyn Deli, right, Chris? Uh, I sure do. <laughs> Brooklyn Deli, Deli, Deli. Da, 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 da. I don't know. <laughs> I made it out of clay. Good one, Chris. You nailed it. Um, oh, that, oh, that wasn't what I was going for, but oh, it okay. Definitely sounds like Very what good. you did. Um, anyway, uh, I don't think I'm familiar with Brooklyn Deli either, but that that does sound very good. It seems like um, in the sort of like oh yeah, it's like a simmer sauce situation. Is that oh. in condiments? Love a simmer sauce. Okay, yeah. yeah. Cool. Okay. Um, well, yeah. let's get in. Let's get into this week's. You can keep that idea on the back burner, simmering like a new deli sauce, uh, Brooklyn deli sauce, and we will we'll come back if you have to think of another good spawn kind you want. Uh, but this week kicks off. Chef Nini is back in a jumpsuit along with season sixteen winner KBC Kelly Barnard Clark, and they are here to introduce the chefs to the three S's of flavor: salty, sweet, and spawn con. First, the chefs have to choose a sweet or salty ingredient in a jar while having no idea what it's for. And then look pensively at the mystery cube and ask what's in the box. But it's not your wife's severed head. It's a freezer full of delightful gelato. You guys remember previously to Lenti's spawn con where they introduced a new series where each pint was packed with too much stuff. Well, now they're back with a new duo versions, two flavors together. Are you even allowed to do that? They managed. Um, and I can't tell if they're all sweet, salty, but the chefs have to make a dessert that is, and they get three prizes if you win. Double immunity, five grand each, and their idea ripped off by mega corporation Unilever, makers of Axe Body Spray. They that's should the make these. They this should be an Axe Body Spray scent. Like that, I think that's the bigger prize is getting your <laughs> rinds and caramel, yeah, like, ginger snap. I smell like ginger rind. snaps and pork. Oh, I was thinking you had to be inspired by like this Blaze scent or whatever, like whatever, <laughs> like. <laughs> Weird yeah, heteronormative the, names. All, they give of all, the, the axe all of the taste testers are like teenage boys. <laughs> Ugh. Yeah. It's got a um, taste like going to a club in Wrigleyville, Chicago. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. They make uh they make a lot of stuff. That was the most unpleasant that I pulled off a very short list, but um they could also do a spawn. Very long list. Uh, very, sorry, a very long list. Yeah. Uh, they could also make a Dollar Shave Club. Anyway, the the point is Unilever is very large. Um anyway, no nobody uh doesn't nail it so there are no bottoms this week uh but on the top buddha and god's favorite chef combined for a multi-religious less top miso cake joe uh or jay sorry hates baking and jackson hates smells so their uh rosemary pears and salted creme fresh are good but not as good meanwhile 
Six chefs are on the top of the mountain. Monique and Demar's cornbread with corn uh, ice cream um, are they're sort of like Tom's jokes. They're corny but popular. Um, Evelyn and mm-hmm. Joe's ben, Benuelas, Benuelos. You got it. Um, they uh, they apparently smell like the state fair, but in a good way. Um, I guess it's like KBC is like Templeton. Just loves running around the fair. Veritable smorgasbord. Smorgasbord. It's <laughs> a popular joke. Okay. Um, do you guys remember Templeton? Yes, Templeton from Charlotte's Web. From Charlotte's Web. That's like mm-hmm. the best song in that in that movie is the veritable smorgasbord, orgasbord, orgasbord, where he runs around and eats all the food at the fair. Yes. Okay. Yeah, definitely. Right. Everybody at home with Charlotte's Web. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> you either know it or you don't. You know? <laughs> I think the sadness at the end probably canceled out the the funny songs earlier on in a lot of our minds. <laughs> the sad where the spider dies and turns into a million spiders and you're sad because there's just so many spiders everywhere. Oh my god, spoilers, Alex. <laughs> <laughs> they have a lifespan of six weeks and they turn into multiple spiders. That's just a spider fact for you. Um I think it I mean look, it's cute and I like Charlotte, but that is a terrifying ending when they're like two million spiders take to the wind. Well, they all fly away except yes, the one. Yes, they, everywhere. They're, they could be in your hair right now. <laughs> oh, no. Spiders. They crawled in your mouth while you were asleep at night. Oh, yeah. That's true. That's, seven, seven per year. That's a sponsored. How do you get your eight spiders in <laughs> while you're sleeping? And you fell. The judges are all sleeping while they taste it. Okay. Anyway, <laughs> the winner of this quick fire, as we alluded to earlier, is the unlikely pairing of ginger snaps and pork rinds from Ashley and Nick. Um, which is great for them, funny for us, and it definitely means somebody at Talenti is about to get fired. Uh, why? Well, this no, seems like a great room. thing. I, yeah, I don't, exactly. I, I'm just like, why Why are they so surprised that the dessert with pork rinds on it actually won? Because I mean, they wouldn't put pork rinds out there if they weren't tasty pork rinds. They're not getting like the pork rinds that you're getting straight out of a gas station. They're getting the ones that are like True. $6 a bag at the like artisan grocery store. And that's it's a surefire like path to success on Top Chef is take the thing that you wouldn't normally eat in a dessert and make it sweet. I, like salty sweet pairings aren't the most uh, groundbreaking. Like it's a smart thing to yeah. pair together now. Okay, but here's the thing about the pork rinds is like obviously in the edit that was the thing where like we're like okay, well Talenti's never gonna pick that one, and they're still not going to. <laughs> I don't expect a Talenti branded uh, pork rind flavor, I, but yeah. they are going to be, uh, be bacon. for the challenge. It'll inspired, be bacon yeah, it'll be Talenti. bacon for sure. There, yeah. there are ice cream companies that would come out with a pork rind flavor. I would be Salt unsurprised. Salt and straw, for, for example, comes to mind. Yeah. They would definitely do a pork rind flavor. No, they'd I would be shocked belly. if you like, was ready for that. I, I think Salt and straw would do like a South Carolina mustard pork belly ice cream. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, I do think you're right that they clearly, you know, they do play test these things. They tasted the pork rinds. And also, yeah, like bacon is popular on desserts. And I, you know, pork rinds are very crispy in a way that if you don't keep them whole are very fun in ice cream. They're almost like little, I think, did they say it was like cereal in its final yeah. version on this? Yeah. This cakey yeah. thing. Yeah. So you, you break them down and you got a little salty pork cereal. People love yeah. salty pork cereal, apparently. Uh, I'm not shocked. It. it was also clear yeah. from the edit that they were about to do well because they just spent too much time telling us how hard that one was. that I was like, I feel like you're about to get graded on a curve at least. Yeah. Nick is the big money winner so far. And yeah. oh Nick yeah, what's Nick's money? What is Nick's total winnings? Well, we it was the five, and then it was the ten last week. Oh yeah, he already got the ten. 
Wow, fifteen thousand air. That's that's impressive. And yeah, that's a, that's and, a lot of pork uh, rinds. To use that's your joke a lot from of pork rinds. Yeah, it, it, I, um, yeah, too much. Uh, too I, many. Pork I rinds. like a challenge where um, I, 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 one of the things I love on the show is when some when there's a dessert challenge and somebody goes, "Oh, I love making dessert." Like instead of being everybody just being so complainy about it, Nick was like, "I love making a cake. I'm gonna make a cake." And they just made a yeah. great cake. That was so fun. It was so satisfying. Yeah, it I, looks really good. It looks like a tasty dessert. Like, yeah, well, I don't like bundt cakes because they take the middle away. Mm. I think that's fun. It's like, what, a, it's like why a donut. Do you want, well, I also, but the donut, they'll sell you the whole separately. Here's, I think the bun, and uh, I, of course, like for the millionth time on any of our shows, I'm going to quibble with you here, Alex. Yeah, I think you but, might. Um, <laughs> really, because, my like really staunch position I took for no reason at all isn't going to sit well with you? <laughs> no, it, no, it sits fine. Um, I think the bun is a minimal trade-off in, in that you, you're losing a very small proportionate to the surface uh, to the volume of the cake a small core and what you're getting back in terms of the surface area of the extra like ripples mm-hmm. and stuff you like the ridges does create that's, the, that's true the, the, it creates a nice crunch as opposed to for me that weird brownie pan that people sell that's like that's oh it's snake. shaped like a serpent absolutely um, not. So, so you get all edges everything's an edge Wait, how and have I'm i like, not seen the snake brownie pan oh yeah oh. it's it's horrible it's trash um, because you're losing most of the brownie to get just the edge pieces, and I get it. Tanya is an edge person. I am not, um, so I yeah. know that I'm, I'm I'm not there for it. But you're losing like forty okay, well, percent. If you Google of the snake brownies, you find stuff that's not helpful. No, but I no, think no, no. You edge, what you're do um, edge brownie pan edge, or something. Edge brownie uh, pan. Yeah. Okay. I, I yeah. I see what you're talking about. Um, yeah, but you're losing a tremendous amount of volume and oh, flexibility yeah, in how, how and big the you uh, make like, brownie. You don't have to be an edge person or a non-edge person. Just be someone who likes variety. I'd like a piece that has edge mm, yeah, and gooey yeah. center. Yeah. If I can take one more swipe at bunt cakes, though, I will say with the mini bunts, one thing that sometimes people do is they think that's a reason why I should fill the entire center with frosting, and then your proportions are off. Yep. I yeah, think then it gets I, too dense in frosting. I think yeah. I like... Mike, I, I, I prefer a good cake to frosting ratio, and you can throw it off if it's the whole center is just a just a plug of straight royal icing. Well, it's just misplaced, you know. Yeah, spread it around. That's what it's for. Mm. Is my yeah. feeling, Sarah? You don't. Well, I was just going to say that's not the fault of the bunt cake. Then that's that's the chef. <laughs> <laughs> that's true. Like that's all dogs true. is good dogs argument about <laughs> bunt cakes. Yeah, <laughs> all cakes are good cakes. Yeah, the, but there are some bad cake owners. Um, yeah, I am also. I they, somebody mentioned when they when Monique and Demar started making uh, corn ice cream. Somebody said that that was their favorite flavor of ice cream. Oh, it's so good. Uh, that was Kelsey. Yeah. Um, oh yeah, yeah. KBC. I've not not had it. Have I? I don't think. I'm I'm very open to this. You though. have had it's... corn ice cream. We had it together at the Girl and the Goat last summer. Oh yeah, that was really good. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. That was cool. And that and she did have the three pieces of popcorn on it, just like our one of the elimination dishes later on um yeah that's true okay i yeah i like it i like it this has more like corn corn there's like a little pile of actual corn in the middle which is interesting yeah yeah Um, but man that's over like a somewhat sweet salty cornbread absolutely yeah i think that's a great a very good dessert like cornbread more cornbread desserts yeah 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 
And uh, um, by the way, Kyle, I, I'm here to uh, reinforce the idea that this is not a terribly original challenge in terms of pear salty and sweet in a dessert. No. Yep. But what I'll say is if Talenti is saying they want to base you know, something off of the success of these chefs, like having something that's deeply hittable. Like we didn't have any bottoms and that's everybody and that's did lovely. at least pretty like good. It's all tops. Um, and you get the money. So I think it's, it's like a feel goodery compared it's to sort of like what a we snaky have. brownie pan where it's just every chef is on the top. I don't think so. <laughs> I don't trying, think that's I'm accurate. trying with that one. No. I don't <laughs> think so. Um, solid response. All right. Um, yeah, I, I, Kyle, you wanted to like actually vent a little more. It sounded like about the challenge. No, I didn't. I didn't want to vent that much. I, I, I think yeah. I, I genuinely think this is like the new. This should be the new Top Chef tradition. Is like the Talenti spawn where you get Whatever. to do something weird with a dessert for a quick fire. I, yeah, I yeah I, and I do further. like. Well, to the point that you guys combined for a second ago, then like it, it isn't out of, I mean, bacon in, in, on donuts has been around for a very long time now, but also just like salted caramel being the most popular flavor of all mm-hmm. time, um, yep. is a salty, sweet flavor. Um, and probably a bestseller for Talenti gelato, but it is, um, oh, this I was a, I, like, let him hit a home run sometimes, you know, it's yeah. already a dessert. So like, yeah, let him hit a home run. I'm happy with it. Yep. Agreed. Um, all right, let's slide now into the elimination challenge just mm. like that cool 15,000 has or slid should it into be Nick's the pocket. elim her nation challenge <laughs> oh that was so good <laughs> just just jam an h in there somewhere um so chef or maybe Gary's back Elermin- I, 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 i'm workshopping something that was no we're gonna enough. call it an elimination for sure that's the right word anyway it's time for the elimination challenge and chef tiffany dairy is back to introduce it, um, which is going to be cooking a dish in tribute to a trailblazing Texas woman, which means two things, inspiring stories and a bit of a stretch. That's what's going to happen because basing a dish off a person's whole life is going to be a bit of a stretch. Uh, It's always going to be a bit of a stretch. Uh, uh, But first, we take a brief rap break where Ashley drops easily the second best verse of all time behind Marcel. Oh, I thought her verse was... Uh, actually like pretty <laughs> impressively good for being uh just a bit on like a brushing your teeth verse yeah it's yeah. certainly better than marcel's i just uh yeah it's... and kwame's to be fair oh did kwame rap on the show he did to an extent there was a rapper judging a challenge and kwame couldn't shut up and he was like oh, you know actually yeah. i'm a bit of a rapper myself and it was oh give us a verse and he was like just not he was in chef mode and he gave like two measures and we we stopped uh, that's funny um yeah. wow so then i didn't even realize this was the third at least third possibly more uh rap verse to show up on top chef not what you'd expect um anyway now uh, buddha's back on top with his mashed potatoes piped into a figure eight to honor stunt pilot bessie coleman um and he also deserves i think a lot of credit for updating the classic french technique of cooking food in a pig bladder by putting that food in just a food safe bag yeah hey it's a bag a that has never around. been used to transport pig piss what a cool bag oh, what a great way to make food ah uh, yeah there's a lot of things french people are good at but that one really bugs me why i do don't you have know to do that? i think that is them being really good they took something that carts around as you eloquently said pig piss yes. and made it into a yeah. vessel for food that that's yeah, bold I mean, it's creative but it doesn't sound pleasant 
Yeah, before plastic was a thing, I mean, like you hear about like bladders for things all the time, and they were literal bladders um, that were refashioned into stuff. So oh, I mean, like it makes sense. Hate inner tubes also. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yep, people yeah. were floating down European rivers in the Dark Ages with a giant inflated pig. <laughs> you did bladder. not want to stay on an air mattress in the 1600s. Oh my god! If you were, <laughs> no, it was. This is going to smell a B- lot B- like B&B. pig pee. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> or air CNC, man. But uh, I. Sorry, just to jump back here yeah. out, of, out of Bladdertown. Um, <laughs> Buddha's narrative, Buddha gave great customer facing like narrative on his. I mean, I think there was there was a lot of emotion in the room for for a lot of folks. But Buddha was like very just polished and like had a quick answer about the popcorn. And like he's he's selling it. Um, even if his food isn't as tasty, it's like prettier than everybody else's food. And he mm-hmm. he positions it well. He makes it he look made like a beautiful art. Yeah, he made it like art. He definitely made it look, I mean, if you're doing like, a stunt pilot is one of the easier ones on here because the career is like flashy and mm-hmm. visual, whereas like Congresswoman does not have as many clear, I don't think. Oh, mm-hmm. although, you know, you should have done, you should have made, for the for the congressperson, they should have done a, a dish made in a pork barrel. Hey. Do you get it? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Anyway. I don't um, know if they have those in the Top Chef pantry. I don't know if they do either. Well, you could make one out of pork, make a barrel out of pork. It probably would not have been popular with her friends at the table. Um, but yeah, this was like a flashy visual thing. So it helped a little bit. And he, yeah, he made just like a wild visual dish. I don't think it was a wild visual dish. Like, well, you don't think no. this. I, I think it's it, very pretty. I don't think the potatoes look like figure eights. It just looks like a, Okay, that is hilarious like because it really pan. is just a it squiggly. Looks like an That's brownie pan. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's just a squiggly. He definitely could have made it and figure eight with a piping bag. Very achievable. So to have the story be something so straightforward and then be like, well, it, but I didn't actually figure eight it. I, he yeah. does. It's very composed. It's it, it's striking and how like it, every little thing is like very intentional. But this pales in comparison to his pork or his uh uh beef last week his brisket uh, last week that had on. like That's color true. and like more craft the things he did last week were more interesting than piping the, these potatoes oh yeah the beet pedals alone mm-hmm. last oh, week oh yeah the were, beet pedals were great were well fantastic. also because the other person working on because there's two people per inspiring story luke uh, god's favorite chef was cooking for bessie coleman as well and his which apparently tasted bad, uh, but was also like a beautiful, very like this was his most Noma looking dish that he's done on this show, I think. Oh, and Noma tasting. I mean, well, I mean, yeah, we'll nobody, yeah, like extremely bit, small. I have, I have thoughts on his when he goes full Noma being a bad thing for Luke, but just to stick with these like tops, I, I wanted to ask a question of, yeah, if this is something that has always happened or if this is like an inflection point of peak pun on Top Chef, because it feels like every episode has had at least three pun dish names. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Buddha really likes a pun. Yeah. I, I think I've noticed that. Um, yeah. So I agree. I, and I think it's a combo that like Tom and the producers seem to have leaned into it a lot. They like it. But also, they happen to have picked some chefs that like a pun. Yeah, because I mean, there's this. There was the, I mean, the entire like five minute who's on first Jackson did with himself talking about awful and awful. 
Oh my god. <laughs> uh, well, so Jack- I was all ready for that one to be terrible. So let me mention some more, more tops. Um, Jackson cooks chicken heart and chicken guts as a way to honor the heart and guts of Congresswoman Barbara Jordan. Um, and I thought that was like the biggest gamble story-wise because you're saying that she has guts, but you're also saying that she was a chicken. Also, it's lame, and apparently that's fine. And also, it's gross, which seems weird. But the audience liked it. I was so ready for him to say that and everybody to groan and yeah. just like boo and start throwing popcorn from Buddha's dish at him or something. But they they were like, oh, that is sweet. She did have a lot of heart and guts. Like, Well, I think oh, it's that them one, reacting. Uh, that was up there with the dumbest for me. I think he, he said can... it in kind of a charming way. So. He pulled his yeah, book out. Yeah. And it was, was a room. He pulled his book out and he's like, no, I got this. I wrote yeah, yeah, I wrote this down. He was, he, <laughs> he, that was charming. And, you know, it was a room that was predisposed towards, um, you know, sort of saying, yes, this person did have heart and guts. And, and so it, it wasn't, I, I don't think it was going to be a groaner, but I, I did worry that, for instance, okay, beyond that, is it going to be a good dish? I think um, he benefited from being the last round served too. So they'd had like a number of people where it's like, Luke, you just cook something you wanted to cook and not something for this person. Like there were enough people where they're like, that's not a story about the woman. Right. <laughs> that's that a good point. When so he said like she had guts and heart, they're like, at least you made something genuinely <laughs> thinking of her. Yes. 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 So so yeah. he, he benefited maybe not food wise from going last, but watching everybody not try on their stories gave his pun like a lot of weight. That's very true. He was also, as many as you pointed out to me uh, off the air, um, taking a bit of a risk food wise because this was not a table of just professional chefs. So serving a lot of heart and, and livers and stuff and lungs. I don't know what other guts they had. But anyway, serving all those guts, all that awful um, to normal people is risky. Yeah, it, it is. And certainly there were we did get a nice post reaction from one of the diners being like, wait, that's what I ate. <laughs> yeah, you know? that was really fun. <laughs> Well, I, and it also, I mean, by calling it awful, they like just missed. They didn't actually find. They, it was like, oh, that sounds like a kind of meat, and didn't even know what they were. That's oh, it sounds really fancy. The chef's <laughs> saying it. Okay, sorry, Megan. What was that? Go ahead, Megan. Oh well, he did try to, you know, um, the way that he handled the awful was to, you know, not make it so overpowering, and yep. so he he yes. was really pretty skilled in that too. So yes, clearly agreed. Jackson has got a lot of skill. Here's the thing. Sidebar. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. He's in the top every week. Yeah. And he can't taste a thing. Yeah. What? Like, what? Right. Like, I, I, you know, at, at first I was like, point, oh, Chris. he, he I... fluked into something about some recipes he knows how to do. Like by episode four, I was like, okay, we've seen a couple of flukes. But then episode five on the top. Episode six on the, like, this is like, this in dude, if episodes, he could taste, he's had he'd be three... blowing everybody out of the water. Like, or maybe he'd be overthinking it. Maybe this is the ooh. needed the the thing to like make you focus on your other senses. Right? Like said before, this is he's daredevil. Got, he's oh, doing no. he's a really good hearing, and that's helping yeah. him cook. Um, yeah, <laughs> so he's got three eliminate three quick fire tops and one win, and he's got five elimination tops out of six and that's two wins. Stunning! Like it is, it is stunning. It's unbelievable. We talked a little bit about who's the top, who are the favorites, and like I think. In at least in my mind, Jackson is being punished for Gabe winning last year. Where like I don't want to just like look at this like tall, pasty <laughs> guy who can't taste and think like he's like the front runner. But he is just like he's everything Top Chef loves to kind of like crown at the end. And he's also been yeah. at the top every week. And he has. I I do think this week was a big week for for like 
people pulling away from the pack because this was also Evelyn's yes. third third top uh, and second win, second in, a win in a row. Second win yeah. in a row. Also, she's had three quick fire tops, and then also Buddha's had three elimination mm-hmm. tops. Buddha's also been on the bottom, which uh, um, is which Jackson and Evelyn or Jackson has not, but. Um, no. But Evelyn, Evelyn has, two. has one time. Yeah, yeah. So uh, clearly Jackson seems to have pulled out in front and Evelyn and Buddha are like right right there. And Damar's um, still and in we there was, too. Damar g- is Demar, getting yeah. a lot of mm-hmm. kind of FaceTime. He, it, we hear him. I feel like behind Buddha and Jackson, we've heard Damar talk the most of all the chefs yeah. that are around. Yeah, I don't, again, yeah, for edgic purposes, I think Damar is still a strong possibility. Um, uh-huh. But... Yeah, and it feels like he's the one waiting in the wings to like really, yeah, um, yeah, you know, peak at the right time, maybe. Mm-hmm. Well, it's also crazy about like how good Jackson is doing. Is that um, Jackson has been on the top? Like I said, five out of six. But the week that he was not on the top was the uh, um, the Friday night bites, the one that had like a wonky system and only had you one person on top. The winner. Yeah, it was just Demar on top. So like it was the one, the one week where it was like basically impossibly on top was the only time he's not done it, which is crazy. Yeah. Um, but I don't want to like give short shrift to Evelyn here. So, beautiful, uh, beautiful. Evelyn came out with this absolutely gorgeous plate of agua chili, um, in the shape of a flower to honor, a song that has a flower in it by Queen of Tejano Music, Selena, um, and uh, gets her second win in a row, back-to-back jacks for Evelyn, which yeah. is super impressive. She had a great story, great, what looked like a great dish. This just is like what Top Chef always wants the challenge to be. It's like, we, we want someone to find a personal story in this, like, I don't want to say hackneyed. That's not the word. It's like uh, (laughs) we're going to come up with some really overly complicated challenge. And damn it, if you don't find some way to make us cry. Yeah. And here's the thing. Sorry, just to interject, please. I think this is an excellent preview of what her performance would be like in a finale, because Mm. what we've had are personal stories where, you know, she gets to kind of make what she wants in in a more unstructured challenge as opposed to a super structured challenge. Yeah. And she's absolutely excelled when she is feeling a lot of personal pressure from knowing all the pit masters from, you know, being a Texan and really inspired by um, Selena. Right. So it's hard not to put her at the front in terms of who's most likely to be in a finale from this episode, at least in my mind. It but. definitely felt like this, like this felt like it had some, some finale vibes to it. Um, and you're right. It is basically an open-ended challenge plus a brief story writing challenge, a like creative writing. Can you connect these two disparate things challenge? Like it basically, I feel like you could bring any dish and pick any one of these women and then, with a little bit of thinking could figure out a reason why this was the perfect fit for it. Yeah. I I mean, Luke, you know, picked only the most tenuous of connections to indigenous people from a region entirely separate from Texas. Unrelated. Yeah. That was, that um, was a pretty bad one. I also thought Jay's was kind of weird where she was like really inspired by a different woman. Yep. Uh Uh, Yeah. She made everyone cry, but then everyone was like, (laughs) Well, that was about someone else. Yeah, I mean, it was a really good was story. And really, yeah, beautiful. It was and yeah. Isn't good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was uh, a very strange one where it's like, I can't <laughs> be mad at you. And you like, also, Jay did the like this amazing bit of uh, uh, 
emotion handling, I guess, where she like made everybody cry and then was like, and this chef would tell me if I cooked it wrong, she'd punch me in the face. Just got a great laugh in the middle of her crying, Jag. It was oh, just yeah. a beautiful pitch, just unrelated completely to the challenge. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Uh, also, I think another shout out as far as mids go to uh, Damar for making it work with his tortillas. Like no backup plan, swinging without a net. Either these t- tortillas work or he has no tortillas. Hey, I he was nervous when the plate went out because I'm like, they didn't look like the same delicious tortillas we've seen before. Like it, it looked no. like it was like that's a an odd texture. Yeah, it's a white corn. I think it's made with uh, either white corn uh, or I mean, like yeah, it looks pale AF. Mm-hmm. Yeah, basically, yeah. yeah, me. But if they say it's good, I gotta trust know. them. Yeah, okay. they said it was good. Yeah, they were they were impressed with the tortillas, which was like really he was a lot was riding on that first try. Mm-hmm. Um, on yeah. the less successful side, Ashley killed her lettuce and the vibe with her candied pork honoring Olympian Oof. Babe Didrikson Zaharias, but she got uh, uh, boosted in the quarterfinals, so she's immune from going home today. Good for her. Mm-hmm. Get Good your boosters. Um, meanwhile, God's favorite chef lets down Bessie Coleman with his weird fish thing and missing chicken fudge. That's The thing with the chicken fudge was not that they didn't like the chicken fudge is they didn't have enough chicken fudge, which is never Can't get enough of it. <laughs> I, that was not where I thought that was going to go. Uh, Oof. Uh, Oof. Yeah. Um, but it's Monique who lets her pioneering woman down the most by serving a cut in half oyster and a canned three bean salad, which sounds rough. I don't know the saying that that sounds like, I mean, I don't hate that canned three bean salad. I've had it uh, plenty of times. It's not the worst, but man, having that, with these other top chef dishes, it would just gotta does be not bad. sound great. It can't feel great. That was uh, not yeah. a compliment. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. And just ruining the oysters with some overthinking, right? By cutting them in half, letting them both like uh like lose all their flavor. Yeah, but also sogged get, up. like the breading would get soggy yeah. in that. It's just like you you made you made you were wrong to do I that. Mean, I don't I didn't actually get to see those oysters next to like a quarter or something, but I don't know. Give me a whole oyster. Look, it's yep. an oyster. I'm not, it's not like you served me a whole, Oh, we gave her the whole pork belly. Like this is a, it's an oyster. Yeah. Right. I well, mean, like, okay. Oysters oysters can be pretty big. One oyster. No, it's not we, about we, killing we, you, but like it, it, oysters can be big. Oysters can be big. That That's, that's all yeah. I'm trying to say. Look, I'm like, you aware. Can, I mean, uh, I think oysters are one of those creatures that like lives until they are, they are killed. They don't have a natural. I, I think they will grow as big as you let them. Like I've I've heard. <laughs> yeah. Okay. No, yeah, this they is a real grow thing. until they're killed. Everything lives until it's killed. Well, no, 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 no. Some things naturally die, well, like, and like, like lobsters other, and like other vegetables, like zucchini. Like they just kind of like grow and grow and grow until it'll you, just like, keep take growing. Them I, I, I mean, this like yeah, we have like we've we've found like hundred year old lobsters or whatever. Like there's some have a cells have a natural decay cycle, and others yeah. don't, where they will basically live forever until they are. Uh, predatoried and so I, I believe what yeah they're like there used to be like three foot long oysters or whatever um i understand that this was not that big this was no, like no. this was gonna it was not gonna ruin this bowl and also they can cut in half without it ruining your dish just give them a knife i don't yeah. know monique just overthought everything for the last two three weeks uh, yeah she really did yeah we'd say I, her reach exceeds her grasp but she's very short 
She can reach things. Yeah, nothing no, can reach things. She has no problem reaching things. <laughs> no, she does. She she did great. She was um, she climbed in another fridge this week. Yeah. Just the way Megan like explodes <laughs> out of her chair when I was just trying to rile you. I was trying to rile you. I'm sorry. Oh, it oh, was yeah. Um, I, don't, I don't know where she got that knife, but she got so. Ooh, Megan, Megan just got so intense. No. You're lucky you're yeah. on the other side of the country because she's coming I just for your I ass. climbed on top of the. <laughs> standing on top of her chair, yelling yeah. at us. Calm down. No, I got the knife myself. <laughs> like I was, I was so bummed. Um, you know, like her brioche buns didn't work out last yeah. week because, like, she obviously is an accomplished like pastry person, um, pastry chef, yeah. or, or I mean, I what do, have you. And, and I definitely bake. want to get her get her tarts in Vallejo. Yeah, that sounds um, like beautiful. A, a really good and, time. And like, you know, it just sucks that in in that format. You know, she didn't have the time to to really make it great, along with what what else she was doing, mm-hmm. and like she ha- had some real moments to shine, and it's it sucks that she, you know, uh, yep. got eliminated. It is disappointing. But. Um. Oh, I forgot one. So so Monique is eliminated. One more middle that I think was worth calling out. I can't believe we didn't talk about this yet. But Nick employed a big pen to make potatoes into mushrooms. <laughs> what? Yeah, I had Tom's reaction, which is, huh, that's cute, I guess. Like, It's a you great know. technique if your thing was like, make something look like a mushroom. But his thing was like, honor a Texas governor who, as far as I know, was neither a potato right. nor like, a mushroom. You, it, right. Like, what are, you, <laughs> what are you doing? Why are you doing it? Um, it I, felt very I love 80s it. I just don't know why. Yes. why I do the, it the very 80s thing is what yeah. I clocked. And I think what made yeah. it perfect for this, like, governor who was getting like catered governor's mansions meals probably at the time where this was the absolute precipice of cooking you just nailed it that's a great if you just said she was governor in the 80s she was doing all the you know had all these stuff at the governor's mansion in the 80s so i thought why don't we kind of throwback 80s meal the kind of thing she might have had there but elevated i think that story works he might have said that and we just didn't didn't hear it well that's true Mm. I don't think he did. I, I I think he just wanted. He was like, I know how to make a potato look funny. I but I feel like he said something like that, right? Like it was like this is something from around that time or something. Maybe not. You could know. be right. I don't remember it. I don't remember. I think it. he said but he's I am like, try, He tried to cook something that would be served to her, so they were like the ingredients she liked, and then Jack. Oh, okay. uh, who was it? It was there was um, like a tie twist. Um, yeah, there was a that, tie twist. That's where Joe said that uh, yeah. she liked like. Thai flavors, so she tried to do a Thai dish with local ingredients. I assume that was in the briefing document that it wasn't like, well, everyone knows Governor Richard loves Thai flavors, so yeah, I'm, ass- I'm assuming it was in their Kindle was. Fire tablets yeah. or whatever. Um, but also, that's kind of interesting that you just like one of the people. It was like, well, here's actual food she liked in her real life. But what a help! What a helping hand there. Yeah. Um. All right. Uh. So that's the elimination challenge. Any. Any. What else we need to finish up here? It does suck when you're in the bottom three, and one of those three has has immunity. Yeah. They, yeah. they brought Ashley in just to be like, listen, we really didn't like your candy. We just want to let you know how mad we are. I. I think Ashley would have gone home again had she not had it's the very immunity. possible. Yeah. Man, what like, a whirlwind three days. Uh. Yeah. To like to lose a challenge, go to Last Chance Kitchen, win, and then come back and then lose again and go back to Last Chance Kitchen a second time. Yeah. Yeah, but if she beats Sarah again, she might come back again. You it's know? possible. Yeah, she had could she could be the first chef to ever be eliminated three times from the same season. <laughs> I think. 
Somebody will tell me if I'm wrong. Keeper of the memories, let me know. Um, I did enjoy the panel of judges. This is a really cool panel this week. Yeah, it was. Say. We had some fun yeah. people. We had uh, we had Cheryl Swoops. Cheryl Swoops, you yeah. guys, the first player ever drafted in the WNBA, the first pick in the yeah. history of that league. She's oh, awesome. That's wild. I did not realize that. Yeah. Um, three-time Olympic gold medalist. Um, also, I, um, the, but the, they were also just kind of a fun group because they were not all chefs. Some of them were funnier. Mm-hmm. Um, I do not remember who said, look, sometimes you got to tell a baby it's ugly, um, which you don't have to, for sure. You don't have to do that. But I like that that's how you live. You don't have to tell a baby they're ugly. You tell your friends a baby is ugly. Like, that's definitely oh, something you, you can do. You don't have to do that do. either, Kyle. I just, I don't know how you're living, but that's, that's who you have to, Who do you have to tell if you see an ugly baby? I say this as a father of not an ugly Oh, an unrelated. So, okay. So, so you, you do have to tell somebody that you've seen an ugly baby. Yeah. You don't yeah. have to tell someone involved in that baby no, that they are ugly. Absolutely I guess you just have to share that you've experienced something. Yeah. Sure. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. You got to voice it. You got to speak it into existence. Otherwise, it just sits inside you and you start thinking everybody's ugly. <laughs> that, yeah, you don't want to. That was it's a bit bad for your health. It's dangerous. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, you can't just let it simmer in there like a. you don't want to keep it like in a pig bladder or something. You got to let it out. Um, I yeah, I think that's covers our elimination challenge. Um, how do you guys feel about generally, though, about a like storytelling challenge versus like a you know, like a brisket challenge where we give you an ingredient and you figure out what to do with it. Like, how do you guys feel? I do. Yeah. I like story challenges in general um, because it makes chefs think outside the box and it gives a reason or a a reason for kind of all the madness and, and the structure. I think an issue with this particular story challenge is you were given a lot of story, but no structure to apply it to. So that meant that, you know, like, you you got a biography and then you just have to figure out what to do with food to tell that story um and so too wide open because for a story challenge it, it was too wide open and you know a lot of these figures are with, with without a doubt very important to texas and to national history however you know there's not an instantly grokkable food connection yeah. to mm-hmm. um any one of them right so it was more abstract and and harder to do. But we've had story connections before. I mean, like the Jonathan Gold challenge from LA mm-hmm. that we all loved. Um, the yeah, that was a perfect example like, where it was like a story stoked. challenge that was also food. It was a food yeah. that had enough food in the background. No one was like, well, yeah. Jonathan Gold well, drove a Toyota, and so I made Japanese food. Like it was well, right. food related. Yeah, yeah, exactly. The other and, thing, and so that's... where we can go. Oh, yeah. it's it's. There's a question of timing in the season and also like how they did the story, because I think this is like early in the season where there's like a lot of people uh, trying to find their story. And it's not as many like I I think back to the Kentucky season and there's the Muhammad Ali uh, dinner. Oh, yeah. I think that was a super successful version of this where it was like right before they went to China um, and it was like six or seven chefs left and you get to it, it's both chefs who are ready. They're in the mindset. They sort of like honed down and they're ready to kind of like tap into their emotions. And then also you're exploring one story from a lot of different directions instead of yes. What was it? Four different women or five? Like it's, it's these five, it's five, like distilling five different women's stories. So you're getting less of each of them instead of being able to like sort of explore one thing 
in more detail and giving like the chefs a ve- one rich story to find the thing that resonates with them. And I know the whole Muhammad Ali was like a, each one of them got a different fight and that's, it, it's slightly different, but they, it was structured in a better way that they could find something distinct and personal to cook food yep. around instead of yep. trying to distill like five very broad stories into two dishes kind of have ha- under the gun yeah, and, in a way. And also by making them all from Texas, you don't have like a variety of cuisines in the same way that you're like, like during the Muhammad Ali, they're like, this one is from Manila. And so you have like, you also have country inspiration from those fights. Whereas this is like, all of the inspirations are still very Texas. Um, mm-hmm. Anyway. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, I mean, I, I like getting to tell the stories and I clearly like, and especially cause we got to see some talking heads discussing the political climate in Texas and how bad it is for women, especially uh, that like that was a that was a good thing to have on the show, and I like that. Um, and actually, I do kind of like watching people bend over backwards to explain why something is related to something that it's not related to. That is kind of a fun game. Um, and and by and large, I also just my main thing is I like when people cook well, and this was a, like mostly a yeah. pretty successful thing. And like Noma's mistakes were also kind of interesting mistakes. Well, and, and this is the point I, yeah. I hinted at earlier. I think uh, Luke's issue is whenever yeah, let's he talk tries about Luke. to what do you think is happening with Luke. When he tries to cook something he would have made at Noma, he kind of crashes and burns. Be- and I wonder if this is because Noma is such a sort of like think tank communal cooking experience where it's like rarely one person's idea going into the plate. It's like a committee. It's like everyone mm. putting their expertise and like sort of observations into a dish that that turns that's where like these really respected beloved dishes come from as opposed to like one person trying to do all the Noma things into one dish. Yeah. I wonder if it's also like a time thing. It certainly was with the salmon today where he's like, this is a thing that I love to make that takes 42 hours and I'm going to do it in 90 minutes that like, if you didn't have a plan, if you didn't have it so well ingrained, if you were like, Oh, but I do know how to cook stuff that takes two hours, you could make a dish. But when you're like, I want to do this sacred preparation that takes forever. You just don't have, there's just no physical way to make it get that much flavor into the salmon in time. Unless maybe you throw yeah. it into a, a pressure sort cooker, of a, a pressure cooker, pressure cooker or something. Yeah, I don't know. You magic it in there. Um, all right, let's wrap up on the elimination challenge. Let's follow Monique's journey to the web. Sarah and Monique have a have to cook off in Last Chance Kitchen in a broth forward dish, and they also have to bring along a little sidecar of extra broth because Tom likes his soup. Okay, just let him have some more soup. Let him have a little broth cup. I love that requirement. It was such a good. It requirement. was so more fun. dishes <laughs> need sidecars. Oh, yeah. I love yes. a sidecar. Yes. Like, you only get a sidecar with a Bloody Mary and a milkshake. And I a think good milkshake. Yeah, for sure. Sidecar. Uh, yeah. like I also just love those little tiny milk pitchers that they yeah. put with broth in your own little pitcher. Yeah. Yeah. I like an au jus. I like a dipping situation. Mm-hmm. Give me a little sidecar. Um, uh, for the dishes here, Sarah's breakfast hash ramen wins. Uh, Wins the day, and she notches her third quick uh, LCK win to stay on the show. She's just beat out uh, Monique's um, sour soup, hot sour soup, hot sour soup, hot sour soup with yeah. salmon and shrimp stock. Yeah, shrimp stuff. Did, um, I I forget. Did the Chiron? I'm not. I'm not looking at it here for um, uh, the ramen. Actually, have ramen in quotes because there were no noodles whatsoever. It has it has breakfast in quotes. It, so the the, um, the Chiron is breakfast bacon broth with poached egg 
toast garashi with chilies and spices and squash hash so like two-thirds of it is in scare quotes but it does not actually say ramen anywhere (laughs) okay that's okay her inspiration was a ramen her inspiration was ramen and the breakfast hash and then ended up being neither and um, I kind of liked it. I, it. I was very interested in it, and I oh, yeah. I liked her instinct. I I think this is the this might be the strategy for Last Chance Kitchen, or it could just be the thing that worked this week. But it's like Last Chance Kitchen is cook something very odd. Like Tom <laughs> wants to be confused and <laughs> delighted. He doesn't want to see you do something like technically perfect. I think. Tom did his his gnarliest poker face in a while on this episode, which I think usually means he likes it. He's rarely like, I think, I think if he doesn't like it, he might show it a little more. But man, he gave nothing away. And then it was like, they were both great. He was like, yeah. after looking so intense. Didn't you have um, a noodle situation going on? About, what? what did the, he was like, didn't you have some noodles going over there? What yeah, happened? And I was a little annoyed by that question because he asked it so sassy. Like, I guess you just left the noodles back there or whatever. But she had said, these are emergency noodles. I want to use the squash. If it doesn't work out, I'll bring the noodles. Yeah. And then yeah. he was like, why didn't you use the noodle? Like, did you forget? You asked her. She asked and answered, Tom. I also feel like this was like a showing for how Top Chef uh, LCK should go. Um, in terms of a strategy, because breakfast is the quickest meal to prepare. It's and so true. Also, one of the best a breakfast. Yeah. And a breakfast version of whatever feels like just a, a pivot on something when yeah. really what you're doing is you're leveraging ingredients and time uh, intelligently. This is a great point, Chris, that like yeah. if you want to make um, pork belly, it's you're going to need a while. If you're going to make a soft egg, you're going to need exactly six minutes or whatever. Um, yeah. Yeah, so it definitely is like built in for the time frame. And it's because a lot of it's like short order food. It's made to be cranked out. And so if you do that fancy and have it. Yeah, I think you're exactly right, Chris. It's a very strong idea. Also, I thought this was one of Sarah's like Sarah was batting a thousand with jokes, too. She was on fire. Yeah, I I got a funny Sarah day. Tanya and I watched these episodes pretty much back to back uh, five and and six. Um, And at first... We didn't really like Sarah. I think in short oh. doses in her interviews, you don't get the full, the roundness of the the dry wit and the personality. Yeah. But as we saw more and more of her, and of course, she's 50% of the chef interviews in LCK, um, you know, she's she's funny. She's also just like nervous and tired. And I think that she's is, good. She's, I mean, I, I want her to be exactly Seymour and she's not. She's a different person, which is only fair um, yep. to both of them. <laughs> but she yep. definitely has Seymour's like, Yes. stress joking dry stress yes. jokes where it's like yes and then we have to do that in 30 minutes which everyone knows is impossible which is very funny yeah. but also she's definitely stressed out yeah i think she but wants to go she's home. doing great she wants to yeah, stay she but she wants to go, to go home, home about as much as she wants to stay well you also we did get this hint and i think we knew this anyway we got a strong hint of this from when, when monique said oh i haven't seen sarah in a while even though she got eliminated two days ago because they filmed the first half of Last Chance Kitchen right away to get people back on the show. But presumably this is many episodes later where they're doing all the Last Chance Kitchens to get them back wherever they come back near the finale. So this could be a week or two later. So long enough that you could forget about Sarah, um, even though she was just there. Yeah. But yeah, so she she definitely wanted to go home in that first part because she was tired and she'd been eliminated. But now she's gotten a couple days off to like, you know, do whatever you do in in Houston jet ski. I don't know. Like she's been hanging out and now she gets to come back and and try again. But she still seems tired and stressed out. So clearly it's not a fun time being in Last Dance Kitchen. No. 
Well, it's also a total grinder because I think they film LCKs. It's like today is LCK day for this yeah. set of oh, yeah. episodes, right? So if if you are, you know, Leah and you were on a streak, like it wasn't like you waited a day to do the next LCK episode. You waited no. an hour. You know, I mean, well, and in fact, the waiting probably even makes it harder is that you probably sat in a green room for three hours while they reset the kitchen and then you cooked for 20 minutes and freaked out. And then you sat for three hours yeah. in that same yep. small room mm-hmm. um, and yep. your phone has been taken away. So you don't look up recipes. Mm-hmm. And so you're just like stress bored, which is a not not a fun time. No. Um, all right. I think it's time to answer the most important question that we answer every week on Top Chef Houston from zero to five. How many cowpokes were in your posse this week? You can measure it in y'alls. You could also put that posse in a stadium. Megan, how about, let's start out with you. How many y'alls did you have this week? Um, I had 3,000 y'alls in Whoa! the stadium. So many y'all. Wait. Well, it's, 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 it's out of 5,000. Well, I don't know how many people are in a stadium. <laughs> I mean, it depends. depends on the size of the stadium, I guess. Um, pro- the Astrodome is probably like 15, right? No, Astrodome's... Uh, probably closer to 30. I think a baseball yeah, I was stadium. Gonna, I was, was going to say 30 felt. Whoa, like capacity 67,000. Oh my gosh. Wow. Wow. So that's that okay, is, so that is crazy. Huh? The, the city where we went to college could have fit in the Astrodome twice. Wow. Everybody in that city could have been at the Astrodome at the same time and had a seat for their backpack at the same time. That's banana pancakes you guys almost seventy thousand. all right so megan you're saying three thousand y'alls out of sixty seven thousand nine hundred and twenty five <laughs> potential y'alls i i clearly haven't been to enough sports i have no and i'm also bad at like the that. like how many jelly beans are in this car i don't know anyway so well, but you're not supposed to be good we together are good oh right yeah Although we I together, to that radio lab. yeah, together we did not get the Astrodome, but um, without Google, but yeah, anyway, so so three out of 67,000, it's not not a lot, um, but you thought it was three out of five, so you actually meant like 42,000 y'alls. So, you, yeah, so you, um, you know, we had the Talenti quick fire, which is, is necessary but could happen anywhere in the universe, really, <laughs> right? Um, it's especially if you like freeze dried your Talenti, yeah, um, yeah, astronaut ice cream salt and sweet yeah. challenge uh but i did i did like the the focus of the elimination challenge and bringing in that panel of um judges or yeah judges because they all they all had a they all got an equal vote in who won but had no say at all in who goes home tom decides tom is in charge can't take tom's vote away um yeah, that's true. I thought actually it was probably because we actually got to hear them talk, which we didn't really with like the pitmasters. We barely got to know them at all. Yeah. We met a lot of Texas people, a lot of Houston people in this challenge, and I like that a lot. So I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna agree with you generally, um, but I'm gonna stick by zero to five cow pokes. I'm gonna say this is a four four cow poke posse, which is pretty strong. Oh, wow. Um and I like it when the, we get the cow pokes in the elimination and not just in the quick fire. Although if we had both we would have had our first ever five cow pokes, I think. Kyle, what do you think? Uh, so I think this is, I, I'm going to share an observation Sarah made because she's she's currently feeding our little cow poke. Uh, but she, uh, I think this was a, a four cow poke episode, but for Texas in general, not necessarily for Houston. 
And she Mm. wondered if this feels uh, to Houstonians like the Seattle season felt to all of Mm -hmm. us where it's lots of stuff, but not as Houston specific as they'd want. Um, Because like we learned a lot about people that I didn't know were important women that I didn't know were as important to Texas history and made an impact in the same way. But uh, that's more about Texas in general and I don't think gave me as much context about Houston as we've been looking for in the past weeks. I think that's very true. And I think Seattle is exactly the right comparison because that's when we started doing this game originally was when we were watching Seattle because it was the one where we knew the most about the city and the show felt unrelated in any way to the city. So yeah, I, I mean, I would imagine I would like to hear more from our Houston listeners, but I would imagine that if you were from Houston, six episodes in, you'd be like, I guess it was in Houston. I think it was here. Yeah. Uh, but you would not feel like, wow, sure, I'm loving, you know, the way New Orleans or some other places maybe even got like pretty good versions of their city on a show. I don't feel like we had it right now. So I think uh, I agree. Uh, it's like a three cowpoke thing uh, for me. I mean, yes, we learned about Texas state history, uh, which was great. And I loved seeing uh, that folks had personal connections uh, to uh, some of these folks. We didn't get explicitly Texasy cuisine, uh, and mm-hmm. I, I agree with uh, it not being very Houston-y, yeah. Houston focused. So, I mean, better than we had. I mean, I, I forget what the the cowpokes were last week, which seemed like you know harder to hard to do uh, bigger in terms of Texas than brisket. But um, yeah, overall, it just hasn't been very Houston-y. Yep, uh, so I, far. I think probably yeah. So okay, this is this is our official call, Houston listeners. How many cowpokes um, are in your posse so far? I'm really curious. Yeah. All right. And speaking of which, that brings us to a very important part of the show, possibly everybody's favorite part of the show, the part where I play this song and Chris frowns. Do the ding dong song. Your face says no, but your hips. I think your hips don't lie, Chris. Ah, uh, they never do. They never do. All right, got a few quick emails I want to get to. First up from at Livercarn on Twitter uh, says, Watching Evelyn use her Buñuelo mold made me wonder how much of their own utensils, materials, etc. can chefs bring along with them? And knowing that it's more than knives, shouldn't Padma say at the end of uh, when they eliminate somebody, pack your shit and go? (laughs) (laughs) Strong suggestion, Livercarn. I like that a lot. I don't think we've ever found an actual like packing list. There was a season where they were like, everyone can have one ingredient and one then ingredient after, or tool. Right? Yeah. And I think after that, they just like, they clearly loosened it. And I'm sure there is like, you get one bag, you get nine things, but I've not actually been able to find well, the official answer on how many things you're allowed to bring in Portland. Like, wasn't there discussion about like us, like uh, the Portland guy who was kind of, uh, it, the a mini villain but eliminated early like mm-hmm. didn't he have a special thing he was like i'm excited to finally use this i i feel like that was something about the pandemic season where yeah. they said they got more stuff during pandemic i don't know they got they they all had like specific things yeah but we don't know that the one thing rule doesn't still apply because mm-hmm. for instance nick has his uh spice blend uh and evelyn oh, may that's have true just his 97 his herbs and spices well yeah, yeah. So, uh, you know, it, it still could be the one thing, at least. So I think in response to the question, we have heard at least on one season that it was you get one additional thing to a standard kit. Um, and 
we don't know any different and we haven't seen any different, but we're not sure if that rule still applies, right? I, I mean, it's definitely more than one. I, there's no way that if you got to bring one thing to the show, it would be for that specialty cookie. Like, I, even if you know I'm going to make that cookie, you're not going to make that cookie a lot of times. Like, there's got to be other things you think would give you more of an edge than one cookie iron. I don't know. It could be her saying, like, this is my, like, dessert sneak attack if i have to do something if like we're it's restaurant wars and we need like a specific dessert that's going to impress people like i have this in my in my pocket well and, and we also don't know what it is won, you know that's true and we also not don't know though Milo, like though. oh that's true you're both right um it's not we don't know as much for um, ingredients versus tools either like maybe a bunyello arm or iron takes apart and fits in your knife bag and that's different you can just bring a whole bag like we don't know how many knives are allowed to bring so maybe like because it's a tool you can get as many tools fit in your knife bag but then you can only bring um six ingredients or a or a shoebox full or whatever it is um moving on allison uh writes us in on facebook um to say I've been remiss in my mailbag lately but I was loving your last episode I love the classic Houston shitting on Dallas talk it's so true, even though I'm unbelievably biased. The thing uh, the thing there is that Dallas may have a lot of freeways, but also no one there can drive. I've never Hey-o. seen people come to a dead stop on a highway like I've seen Dallasites do it. Houston and probably San Antonio know they're in Texas. Dallas thinks it's in New York, and Austin thinks it's in California. I don't know how it's possible that every city in America is better at driving than the town over. Isn't that crazy? How did that happen? I love it. I think it's so charming. <laughs> I love like a neighborly rivalry or like a, you know, a, what is it? The narcissism of minor differences in terms yeah, of yeah, yeah, yeah. like, like, hey, it's all kind of one thing, but uh, no, and it, and it's not, and it's not, but like, oh, you can get so heated. You can get It would be so, so funny in, in LA if somebody was like, that person drives like they're from Dallas. Like it would never happen. But everybody is like the one thing over like, oh, they must be from San Diego. You get yeah. it all the time. Yeah. Um, we always growing up in Nevada, everybody always said California drivers when somebody would run a stop sign. Everybody all the time. <laughs> I didn't know that was a Dallas thing, but apparently it is. I do like also the spe- specificity of stopping, coming to a dead stop on a highway. That's the thing that Dallas people do. I mean, that's a, I mean, that's an annoying thing, but a little bold. Bold move to stop on highway, <laughs> Dallas. So I like about Dallas. Annoying, but a little bold. I mean, those those folks in Dallas, they're not afraid of death. <laughs> <laughs> Texas does seem like they have the city-to-city rivalries in Texas might even be a little bit sharper than some of the other ones. I did a joke on television about breakfast tacos from Austin, and boy, more than anything I've ever said in my career, I got a lot of messages about how the San Antonio breakfast tacos are better. And like, they could be, but they're also very good at like breakfast tacos are very good. So you could just be like glad anyone's eating a breakfast taco. I don't know. It doesn't have to be so specific, but people have very strong opinions about that. Thank you for that additional Texas knowledge. Um, uh, oh, I could have bring that, brought this up earlier, but Allison uh, says, I loved this episode. It kept uh, kept the discussion so current. The dinner table was very powerful. Also, I think we have our pretty consistent top three at this point. So um, yep. we, we covered this a little bit, but is there any, it, it's just Damar, right? Who's sneaking up on Jackson, Evelyn, and Buddha, and then we yeah. get Damar. Damar is There's a the few mix. people who could, but like, it's hard not to think of Jackson as the front runner right now with Evelyn and Buddha close yeah, behind. Yeah. I mean, we're pretty close, I assume, to restaurant wars. And I feel like that's a time when some tops 
either rise to even the topper, some tops crash yep. and burn, and we see some people who weren't in the top start to peak at the right time. So it's so true. It really some... is a, a changing point. And it's, it's also when the season becomes, I think, a little bit more individualized after that, yep. um, yeah, where yeah, you get yeah. to do more of your own food. There's, there's fewer big team challenges. And also, you're right. You're totally right that the that, uh, Restaurant Wars is a giant slayer. It they is. can take out clear favorites. Um, I mean, it wrecked Sarah last season. Wasn't that yep. Portland Sarah? Mm, yeah. Yeah, yeah right. sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yep. it did. Cool. And much, much to uh, everyone's uh, dismay. You know, for how that happened, and it, yeah, it's and, right. and Kristen Kish. It's Kristen right. Kish is my main. Uh, I can't think past, but yeah. Um. Awesome. All right, and then lastly, I got an email from Hannah. Hannah says, "Hello. I know Christine mentioned a couple of times in passing that she's visually impaired, but man, talk about an inspiring woman. If you don't know Christine Ha, the fifth judge at judges' table." She started losing her sight in 2004 and was almost completely blind by 2007. In 2012, she was the first blind contestant on MasterChef and won season three. Being a chef is a chaotic and dangerous profession with all else being equal. But the idea of working with knives and heat in a small space while also not having sight is the craziest thing I can imagine. Which, yeah, knives, heat, slippery floors, crowded time pressure, also frequently not health insurance. It is a dangerous, dangerous place to be. Um, yeah. that, that is incredible. And her, um, her dot org, uh, I'll have what she's having is all about, um, creating equity and more capabilities for, uh, different types of people to continue working in the food industry. So I wish, yeah, I wish we'd heard cool. more about that. Cause when she, cause if you, if you Google, I'll have what she's having chef, you definitely end up with, uh, somebody pretending to have an orgasm in a restaurant. Um, sure. yeah. not, you have to definitely say not just anyone, Meg Ryan specifically. All right. Um, but yeah, you do have to, you do have to say, I got looks just for those at home. Anyway, you get that scene cause it's a restaurant scene. You don't go straight to, so yeah, make sure you say a uh, nonprofit when you search for all oh, have what she's having. But yeah, uh, I would have liked to have heard more about that cause it was an, it was an intriguing name. And then uh, uh, I didn't know that. It's very cool. Very cool. Um, going back to Hannah's email, obviously taste and smell are so essential to being a chef though. Jackson has showed us that it can, even that can be compensated for but I am just amazed by Christine. I know that like Monique talked about, she doesn't want to be known as the blind chef any more mm-hmm. than as the Asian chef or the woman chef, but I think she's an inspiration for all of, all of those underrepresented communities and Certainly. frankly, for everyone. Thank you for letting me fangirl a bit about Christine, Hannah. Um, I really appreciate you fangirling because I did not know any of that and that is amazing. And she's been on two episodes this season and we didn't know that, which I think like kind of is a failure. She was? She was the uh, guest. I don't think she like was at judges table, but she appeared in the Asian night market. She was the. Yeah, that's chef. Right. Oh yeah. They said like you know you've cooked for her already at the right, Asian you night for market. The night market. Yeah, yeah. She was that. So oh. she's been on two episodes, and I didn't realize she was. Uh, I don't know if she's blind or just visually impaired. I don't know what the how she identifies, but like there was no explanation of that in either episode until she brought it up. So I think Interesting. that I, if she was going to be so big that she was on two episodes, she kind of should have gotten a talking head where she shows up before the after the quick fire, before the elimination challenge to sort of like give the challenge at some point. Yeah, I would have also liked just a little more conversation about her nonprofit at the table. Mm-hmm. But yeah. um, also, it's one of, one of the things that's fun about Top Chef is that uh, other food shows sometimes acknowledge the existence of different food shows. Not this one. 
You could no. you could you could own MasterChef. You could be the MasterChef. They don't care. They'll never mention it. Mm-hmm. It's not it's not a thing we discuss. Yeah. Um, except they for do. that one. What's the one in the the book d'or? The French Bocuse one. They did mention oh, yeah. that the one time. But other than that, there's no food competitions well, that exist when you're in the Top Chef bubble. Because that, that one's not. I don't know if that one's televised. So <laughs> I mean, it has to be televised, right? It's not a show. It was. It's not a TV show primarily. It's like. Actually, probably parts of it, most of it isn't televised because it's like 17 panels of judges around the country at the same time and everyone cooks the same dish for the first round. Anyway, it's crazy. Um, yeah. Anyway. Uh, well, they'll, they'll mention James Beard. Right. Well, I guess that, that, yeah, that's not a TV show, so we can talk about James, but everybody else and Michelin, the Michelin man gets mentioned. But you, you, could, you could be the host of all of Food Network and they would never bring it up. And I think that's very fun. Um, all right. If we uh, miss any of your feedback, um, especially if you are from Houston or if you're a Dallas driver and want to speak in your own defense, I will hear it. Send us an email. Yeah, just stop on the highway and let <laughs> us know what you're Stop feel. right <laughs> now where you're driving. <laughs> Crack. Send us off an email. We'd love to hear from you. Don't do it. Mailbag Don't at packyourmics.com. Don't do it. Dang. Uh, that's so funny um lastly before we go bold predictions we've talked a little bit about where the season's going last thing i want to hear from you guys is um uh what else are you expecting from the rest of the season given where we are right now specifically my one my other question for you is are we gonna get any villainy is this gonna be a villain free season we're pretty deep to have nobody some people can be maybe a tiny bit annoying but really this is a low villain season this is almost a great british bake-off at this point I, I think Top Chef might want to be going more in the Great British Bake Off direction. Yeah, I want him to be. Yeah. I'm into that. I want him yeah. to be going that direction. I I think it's very possible that this is going to end up no villains, or it could end up with like a a, a pee puree situation where someone cooks something the wrong right. or takes something that kind of hamstrings somebody else or forces them to pivot. But uh, I think it's likely this is not villainous. The boldest prediction I have. And this is solely based on the next episode is I I have to assume that there's going to be a dinosaur as the guest judge mm-hmm. for the next yeah. episode. There, oh, there will be, I thought I because I thought they were already from the clip we saw. They were already sitting at the judges table. I was pretty sure a dinosaur was going to kill somebody. No, no. I think uh, the actor you think it's blew the Velociraptor from the Jurassic World yeah. series will be at the table. Because they can questions. open the door to the kitchen. That's right? so true. So, Velociraptors yeah. love the kitchen. They know their way yeah. around. Yeah, the Velociraptor <laughs> and Tom are going to come through to see, like, so what are you cooking? <laughs> All the chefs are hiding in the cabinets because they're so scared of them. <laughs> yeah. That's such a good point, you guys. All right, you nailed it. That's the boldest prediction. Dinosaur on the show. I mean, it is definitely, we're at the point where they'll be like, hey, at the beginning of this football game, look at that dragon flying around the stadium. Like, they'll just CG stuff that doesn't have to be there. You could do that on a Bravo show. You probably shouldn't, but you could. That does not seem like a fun... Are we excited about the Spawn Spawn Con with another Jurassic Park movie? Jesus. No, probably not. I'm not... I mean, who knows? But there are probably a lot of dinosaurs in in Houston, right? Yeah, that is... Sorry I think that is Texas history. Excited. <laughs> Wait, but I think so, Megan. Oh. I think all. Of, I think the dinosaurs are all gone. Well, well, they sure? found the bones. Oh, you just mean bones? Yeah. I, I don't know. <laughs> I, I thought there was going to be one. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, dinosaurs are basically just big chickens, right? So every time you're cooking a chicken, you're making pretty much what you'd make if you were cooking dinosaur. So it's yeah. very similar. 
and or maybe, maybe ostrich. We, maybe they have to make an ostrich omelet or something. We're like, this is a dinosaur egg, crazy. Do we think there's going to be a tie into the oil industry as far as fossil fuels? Because <laughs> Houston I, is I think like they, legit a huge refinery. And, it really and like, is. I can't imagine that they're is. sponsoring food shows, but yeah, no. cook this shrimp that's covered in oil from one of our oil derricks offshore. Sorry, it was a reach. I'm I'm sorry. No, I like the idea. That would be very funny. Uh, I, I I want that. I think we should do it. We should do it. You have to first. You have to clean off your duck with with uh, dish soap, and then you can kill it and cook it. Oh, was sad about the duck, but I was trying to be like, look, the oil industry's done a lot of bad things in that area as well. After it just had a bath. <laughs> it's rude. It's extremely rude. Um, Chris, do you have any other bold predictions? No. Okay. Um, well, I think that's going to bring us to the end. If you guys have any bold predictions, we'd also love to hear those. Send us along in the mailbag. Um, we will be back again next week. I believe Aaron, Ezra and Sarah will be back. Possibly we'll get a little more on new Sarah, depending on what the eating schedule is like. Um, and uh, importantly, um, before we can go, I just have to let uh, you guys all know, Chris, pack your shit and go. Oh, oh. <laughs> thought it was just the knives this time. No, you get to take your cookie press, at least. Oh, We're not keeping okay. it. So oh, that's good. fun. Okay. You can make that. Um, thanks like for being here, Chris. Or like, no, nah, you got to do it on your own. Thanks for being here, right. Chris. Thanks. Kyle, always great talking to you. That was really nice. Megan. Good talking to you. Dinosaurs? Dinosaurs. Alive or dead? It's still to be determined. <laughs> <laughs> All right. My name is Alex. We'll talk to everybody next week. Goodbye. Goodbye.